Hey guys, Eric Lindine here. I'm the lead pastor of Mosaic Church in Maple Grove, Minnesota. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you, and that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Enjoy the message. Well, before I got married, I knew all about marriage. Anyone else with me? Before I became a parent, I knew all about raising kids. Before I was a lead pastor, I knew all about running a church. Uh, before I was a head coach, I knew everything about running a team. We all have these moments where we think we know something, but then when we actually step into the situation, we realize how much we don't know. And the truth is, I think in so many areas of our life, in order to move forward, we have to let go of what we know. We have to let go of some things in order to move forward. Maybe it's a way of thinking. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's just, uh, again, some kind of internal thought process to say, hey, I need to let go of what I know in order to move forward in what God wants for me. I thought about this season where Brett and I were talking about there, like what a crazy NFL football season. So many uh, starting quarterbacks have gone down. You've got the backup quarterback come back in, right? Here in Minnesota, we had the crazy story of, of Josh Dobbs. He just leaps from team to team. Uh, you know, my favorite football player, Russell Wilson, who last year was on a brand new team. And I thought about this. As, as, as quarterbacks change a team in particular, and this is really true for really any athlete, but in particular quarterbacks, they have to let go of what they know in order to be on this new team. And really, any new team you join, your old team has a certain way of doing things, maybe certain phrases you used, just, you know, uh, just, hey, this is what we do. And in order to be successful, you have to let go of what you know, right? Like, like my guy, Russ, right? Like this is his third different offensive season and three different seasons, right? And it's like, I think he's thriving in this. He's not perfect, but he's had to let go of a lot of things that he knows in order to move forward. Maybe you've changed jobs or something, and maybe your old job, they did things a certain way. They communicated, you know, in this way, or they used Slack or email or whatever it might be, but now as you're stepping forward on this new team, it's like, man, I got to let go of what I know in order to move forward. And in his letter to the Galatian church here, Paul is telling them, hey, you have to let go of what you know. He's speaking to people who are in this brand new church. <coughs> Excuse me. And in this church, you have people who were raised in the Jewish faith. So maybe they grew up in, the, in this one system uh, of, of Yahweh, one true God, but they have all these lists of religions and, and how they relate to God is through a, a sacrificial system and these different things. And then you have like, people who maybe grew up in a pagan way where they worshiped you know, the Greek gods or the Roman gods or whatever it might be. And this new church is a blend of these people who grew up in the Jewish faith, people who didn't grow up in the Jewish faith. And Paul's saying, hey, what is important is the cross of Christ. And both Jews, Gentiles, religious people, irreligious people, all of you have to let go of what you know. You have to kind of forget some of what you grew up in in order to move forward. Paul talks elsewhere that the cross of Christ doesn't make sense to the world, that it, it, we can't wrap our minds around this rationally. And so Paul comes into the Galatian church, 
He, he, this church is planted, and he, he preaches them the gospel. There's nothing that you do that saves you. It's only by Jesus and his work on the cross that we are saved. He leaves. We've talked about this. Other people come behind him and say, no, 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 no. That's not enough. And see, religious people often as you want to add to the work of Christ on the cross. And they say, no, no, you have to keep all these Jewish laws. You have to become Jewish before you can be a Christian. And one of the identifying marks of Judaism, particularly for males, was circumcision. They're saying, hey, you've got to get circumcised. You've got to do all these things. You've got to keep all these laws. So Paul's heard about this, and he's been addressing this. And he, here again, as he's getting ready to wrap up, he says it this way. Uh, he says, those who are trying to force you to be circumcised want to look good to others. They don't want to be persecuted for teaching that the cross of Christ alone can save. And even those who advocate circumcision don't keep the whole law themselves. They only want you to be circumcised so that they can boast about it and claim you as their disciples. These people are coming in and saying, hey, these people, they're trying to make you their disciples. They're trying to, to get you to do these, all these other things, this religious baggage on top of that. He's saying, but no, the cross of Christ alone can save. But see, that's, that, that, that's, a, that's a mess that's hard to understand. It's hard to believe. Really? It's not based on what I do, only on what Christ has done on the cross? So this is what Paul is saying. See, again, each of us have things I think that we need to let go of. This idea that our works save us or make God love us more or whatever it might be in order to move forward. Maybe what you need to let go of is that you know how God answers prayers or how God moves. And perhaps you've begun to put God in a little bit of a box. That this is, this is how God moves. And in order to step into deeper faith, into a deeper understanding of how God works and His Holy Spirit shaping us, you have to let go of some of those things. You know, maybe it's, it's what you know about how to raise kids. And what worked in a certain season of raising kids, elementary age or whatever, and now you've got teenagers, and you're like, i got to let go of what I know about that in order to step forward and, 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 and raise kids who know and love Jesus. Maybe it's what you know about how to relate to people, and, 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 and you just know, I can't let people in or get close, otherwise I get hurt. That, that you know, hey, th this is just how I relate to people. It's on a shallow level. I, I joke. I'm sarcastic. Because this is how my dad who raised me taught me, and this is just what I know about being a man. Maybe God wants you to let go of some of those things that you have just said, oh, this is what I know. This is all that I know. In order to move forward. So tonight I want you to ask, what do you need to let go of so that you can cling to what matters most? What do you need to let go of tonight in order to cling to what matters most? Again, let me read what Paul says. He says, As for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in the world has been crucified, and the world's interest in me has also died. It doesn't matter whether we've been circumcised or not. What counts is whether we've been transformed into a new creation. May God's peace and mercy be upon all who live by this principle. They are the new people of God. Paul says, it's similar in 1 Corinthians one, two, one, he says, For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. 
Now, he's using that hyperbole here. He obviously wants to know more than just that one thing. Because really, at this time, Paul was a man who had the equivalent of two PhDs in theology by the time he was 21 years of old. He was schooled by the very, very best. He's a man who wrote with great insight on the whole scope of theology, and he went into these lofty concepts. In fact, Peter, you know, one of the chief disciples in one of his letters, he says, the things that Paul writes, those are hard to understand, right? Here's another disciple who's like, Paul, he, he understands things that like I don't even fully get. And yet, Paul's saying the focal point of his teaching, his preaching, and his ministering to the Corinthians was simply Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul's saying, in all my teaching, all my preaching, in all his missionary activity, the central importance was the cross. It's one of the reasons I love about this room is the central thing of this room is the cross behind me. That hopefully it's pointing us again and again. What matters is Christ Jesus and him crucified. Paul is saying to his students, you may forget the other things that I teach you, but don't ever forget the cross. Because it was on the cross, it was through the cross and by the cross that our Savior performed his work of redemption and gathered his people for all of eternity. So like, why are we talking so much about the cross at Christmas time? It seems like usually like we separate those, right? The cradle at Christmas, the cross at Easter. Well, let's, let's go into the Christmas story a little bit in Matthew 1, 18 through 21. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, the promised one, the anointed one, was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin... She became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will raise a son And you are to name him Jesus, which means God saves, Yahweh saves, for he will save his people from their sins. See, the reason for the cradle was the cross. Gabriel the angel tells Joseph right away, you're going to have a son and he's going to save his people from their sins. You are going to give birth to a savior, Mary, Gabriel tells her. Again, the reason for Christmas, the reason for the trees and the Christmas music and presents and ugly sweater contest, all of that is the cross. That is why we celebrate Christmas, is that our Savior was born, that Jesus stepped into our mess, into human history, in order that we could be saved from our sins, from our fears, from those things that are holding us back. One of my favorite Christmas movies is Charlie Brown's Christmas. Uh, I, I think it's just, it's just a beautiful film. It's a short animated movie. If you don't watch it every Christmas, start doing it. It's so good. It's so good. And people have dissected this movie, and, and so maybe you've read some blogs on this. And so I'm probably going to cover some stuff. Maybe you've heard some of this before. But the movie is, is short, 22-minute, surprisingly deep. 
really, it, it's the story of an outcast kid. I like to think of them. They're probably like fifth, sixth graders. I don't really know what Charlie Brown and his friends are. That's a tough age, right? Kids are trying to figure out, where do I belong? Do I fit in? Who are my friends? We see this kid, Charlie. Like, the poor kid's already going bald, right? Doesn't have much hair in his head. Like, he doesn't fit in. He's only got, like, one sweater, one shirt he can wear. He's got a wild and crazy dog, right? And he's, Charlie is trying to figure out who, who is he? What is this all about? And, and, and the holidays are tough on him. And so he's invited to become a part of this, this, this theater program. And, and, and he's like, but I don't understand. Like, what is this all about, right? And again, this was on broadcast TV in 1966. And Linus, I love Linus, right? Linus walks up and he's like, I can tell you what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown, right? And he walks up on stage and he says, lights, please. It's the best moment, right? And then the lights come down and he recites Luke chapter 2. For unto us a Savior is born, Christ the Lord. And, and he shares about, you know, uh, the, the angels showing up to the shepherds. Fear not, for I bring you good tidings of great joy. For unto you is born this day a city, a city of David, a Savior, Christ the Lord, right? And it's this beautiful moment. And he turns to Charlie and he says, that's what Christmas is about, Charlie Brown, right? It, it, it's so beautiful. It's, it's, it's a wonderful thing. And, and again, maybe, maybe you've heard this before. Oh, but I think this is so intentional, right? That as he's saying this beautiful Luke to Linus who can't go anywhere without his blanket, what does he do? He drops the blanket when he says, fear not. That thing that he realizes, I got to let go of this. He drops it. Again, it's his security blanket. It's, it's, it's like the thing he's holding on to. And so many times, that's what Jesus wants for us, is to let go of those things, to drop them, because it, it, it's like a false savior. It's this thing we're, we're clinging to instead of clinging to the cross. And in that moment, Linus, he, he's like an evangelist, right? He's proclaiming the gospel. He's believing the gospel. He's living out the gospel. And this is like a high moment. But then what does he do right after that? He picks the blanket back up, and he carries it the rest of the special I think that's so often for us too, right? Like we, we receive the word of God or, or in a worship moment or something, we have this high moment at camp or we're out in the woods with God or I don't know what it is. And it's like, wow, we start to proclaim the good news. We live out the good news. We're, we're sharing the good news. And then we go back and pick up that thing that... Uh, it's so hard for us to let go of. But see, the birth of Jesus, he separates us from our fears. See, the birth of Jesus frees us from the habits we are unable or unwilling to break ourselves. The birth of Jesus allows us to drop the false security we've been grasping to so tightly and to learn to trust and cling to Christ instead. See, the world can be a scary, uncertain place, uh, as, as we just hear so much about what is going on in our world and all these things. And so I think often as we find ourselves grasping something for security, maybe it's what we know from the way we are raised, or uh, it's, it's money or our talent or whatever it is, we grasp this thing saying, I'm going to hold on to this because the world around us is so uncertain. And see, one thing you can be sure of is that there's very few things that we can be sure of. Right? Like, I wish 
our lives and careers and everything was always up and to the right and things were always getting better, but that's like not how life is. That's not how our spiritual walk is, right? It's not like we're lioness and we let go of the blanket and then from then on out, like we're freed from that, right? We have moments of freedom and then moments of setbacks and moments of freedom and moments of setbacks. And if that's your story, don't be discouraged because you are simply human. And what I want you to know, it's totally okay to be human-sized. So often we live our, we um, set this high standard for ourselves that we have to be perfect every moment up and to the right. That's not how life works, right? It's, it's up and down and up and down and things are great. Things are, are not so good. And, and so this is what life is like. So, like. so the question is, how do we maintain peace? How do we continue to cling to Christ when the pressure is on what do we do when the weight's just too much and we can't deal with everything going on in our world when the grief is crushing in? When the worries and fears about money is just too much to handle? When we feel so alone like no one truly understands us, what do we do? When we're worried about our kids or our grandkids? When our marriage isn't what we thought it would be, what do we do? Well, when Jesus was getting ready to face the cross, before he was betrayed and then crucified, he spent his last night eating dinner with his closest friends. That's one of the things we say is so important for your spiritual growth, to eat, to discuss, to be with others in community on a regular basis. That's what Jesus did. That's what his disciples did. And as he spent this last dinner in John 16, 33, he said, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. What does that word tribulation mean? It means pressing together. It means pressure. You know, when I was a single guy living in Minneapolis, I'd go for a run at night. I wasn't really worried about anything happening to me, right? Like, I wasn't too worried that my bank account would hit zero too many times. I was like, whatever, it's all going to be fine. Then I got married, and it's like, oh, now I'm feeling a little bit more weight, and now if Chris and I are alone at 11 o'clock at night in Minneapolis, oh, I got a little more, a little more fear now, right? It was just me, eh, whatever, I can take care of myself. Right? More responsibility when you, when you have a spouse. And then you add kids into it. It's like, oh, man, a little more weight, a little more weight, a little more pressure. And you feel this more and more and more. And so how do we maintain peace as, as we feel more and more pressure? As, as our career grows and more and more people were responsible for their financial well-being, it's like, man, if my company does great, then they do great. If not, oh, man, right? Like, as we go on in life so many times, we get more and more pressure. So how do we maintain peace? How do we cling to what matters? <laughs> well, I think the important thing to remember is that peace, that Jesus promises I bring peace, is not the absence of hardship. I think often we can define it that way, that, oh, well, if Jesus brings peace, then it's like this is zen-like state, and nothing's going to interrupt that. Jesus promises peace, not peacefulness. Right? There's a big difference between peace and peacefulness. You can be in a home, and it's peaceful. There's not much going on, but maybe there's not much life either are in that. It's a big difference than having peace, which is this really supernatural confidence in Christ that he's going to be there with you. Jesus never says we're not going to be under pressure. 
See, oftentimes I think if we give our lives over to Jesus, then the pressure is just going to leave. And then life's not going to be peaceful. That's not what Jesus promised. Jesus promised trials and sorrows for his followers. Like, thanks, Jesus. What an encouraging word, right? This is what we're promised. But if we didn't experience trials and hardships, then the promise of peace isn't very meaningful. I shared this on social media. Um, is an interview uh, of a late-night talk show host with a CNN uh, host, and, and, and it's a long interview, about an hour. If you have time, uh, you can check it out. Uh, but um, the guy from CNN, he had lost his mom recently, and, and, and in the interview, it touches him. And he's, he's grieving. Uh, Anderson Cooper. And um, what the late-night host uh, tells him, they start to talk about uh, that pain is a gift. And Anderson Cooper's like, how can you believe that? And he says, it's a gift to exist. And with existence comes suffering. But there's no escape from that. And he says, uh, he, he's a, a believing Catholic, and he says, the beauty of my tradition is that we're not alone in our suffering. That God suffers too. That God entered a stable. And he entered our mess. That we are not alone. That God is not up here and we're down here suffering and going through different hardships. That Jesus steps into that. I think that's so beautiful. That's the gift of Christmas. To know that we're not alone. That he's Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? God with us. He is God. He's above us. He's so wonderful and beautiful. He's King Jesus, but he's God with us. He came and stepped into it, and so he understands what we go through. He gets the pressure. He's God with us. What a beautiful promise. Emmanuel, God with us. And this peace that comes from Emmanuel it doesn't mean a life that is free from tragedy or illness or bankruptcy or divorce or depression or heartache. It's peace that is rooted in the trust that the life Jesus gives us is deeper and wider and stronger and more enduring than our current circumstances are. Because all we see is that not all there is in the last word about us and our struggle has not been spoken. That this isn't it that we are promised eternity with Jesus forever, that one day Jesus is coming back again to make it right. And so our hope isn't just some kind of zen-like existence here where nothing ever goes wrong. Our hope is that in the midst of pressure, in the midst of fear and grief and pain and depression and anxiety and just feeling alone, that God is with us. That is what we need to cling to. See, it's one thing to seek the peace of God. It's a whole other thing to seek the God of peace. I think sometimes we want just the gifts, and we don't long for the giver of the gifts. We say, Jesus, I want your peace. I want your hope. I want your joy. 
But do we really pursue the God of peace and hope and joy? Do we really say, you know, whatever it takes, I'm going to get up a little earlier just to be with Jesus. You know, on my car rides, I'm just going to spend some time either in worship music or just silence and being with Jesus. Before I go to bed, before I close my eyes, I'm just going to be with Jesus. In my shower, I'm just going to be with Jesus. Whatever that looks like. Are we really pursuing the God of peace? Or do we just want the peace of God? The beautiful thing, again, though, about Charlie Brown's Christmas is that's not where the story ends, where Linus picks up the blanket and that's just it, right? I think so often we think we have freedom, but then we look in the mirror and we see that tattered old blanket over our shoulder again, and we realize we've been so used to it, we don't even realize it's there anymore. This crutch that we've been using, that we've been leaning on. But see, Charlie Brown's Christmas ends with the Peanuts gang not just singing, they come together around a tree, but unquestionably they're singing in worship. And even the, the musical style, which is just brilliant, the whole thing, it changes unlike anything else we've heard so far uh, in, the, in, the, in the story. And the obvious musical choice would have been Oh Christmas Tree, right? They're singing on the little Christmas tree, it gets full, Oh Christmas Tree, that's, right? That's really what they should have sang. Like if I was directing, that's what I would have suggested. But what do they sing? They sing, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Glory to the newborn king. Right? Because it's not just about the tree. It's about the newborn king. And what he brings. And really we're witness at the end of this special on impromptu worship service. But before that happens, so good, right? What does Linus do? One last time, he lays the blanket down at the foot of the tree. What do you need to leave behind? What do you need to let go of? In our church community, we've had many people say, hey, I need to let go of this addiction. That alcohol is this crutch. Pornography is this crutch. This unhealthy emotional relationship I have with someone else, not my spouse, is my crutch. Being a workaholic is my crutch. Of just living with such strong fear and anxiety that I don't know how else to live, that's my crutch. Of just trying to earn God's favor by doing more and being better, that's my crutch. What is it tonight that you need to let go of in order to cling to what matters most, which is Christ, the Savior, who was crucified on a cross for us, so that we could experience freedom. We're going to end our service in a little bit. What we've been doing the last couple of weeks is just having a time of worship and prayer. And I want to encourage you, uh, like in our kind of evangelical tradition, we don't talk a lot about symbolism and things like that. Uh, but again, we, we do have a beautiful cross in this building. And I just want to encourage you, if, if it helps you, as you sing, to keep your eyes on the cross. And, and perhaps you want to get out of your chair, I don't know, but perhaps mentally you just want to think, this thing I'm holding on to, uh, that I'm feeling the Holy Spirit right now saying, I got to let go of that. 
visually lay it at the cross, like Linus did at the foot of the tree, and say, God, I need to let go of what I know, of how I've lived, uh, of how I've coped. Um, oftentimes, our solutions make things worse. Now, that's how we know it's something we need to let go of. Uh, when, when we try to cope with the things around us in a way that's not healthy. And so, again, I'm going to encourage you. The band's going to sing two songs. And do some examination. Our world and Christmas time, we're so go, 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 go. You don't often take time to just sit, reflect. I want to encourage you to ask, God, is there something in my life that I'm so used to, like Linus in his blanket, that I don't even notice when I pick it back up? This unhealthy pattern of thinking, of acting, of how I relate to other people. I don't know what that is for you. But to say, Jesus, please reveal to me what that is. So that I can take action. I believe, this is Eric, this isn't the Bible. (laughs) The Holy Spirit will not often reveal things to us unless we're ready to take action on it. So we need to commit to saying, okay, Holy Spirit, if you reveal this thing that I need to let go of, that I need to change, I need to just do something differently, then have the courage and the strength to say, Jesus, help me to take action on this. Because again, we never want God's word just to be information, but we believe the Holy Spirit wants us to have a life of transformation. It's not always up and to the right, but it's growing and changing with Christ as we're completely human-sized. See, the great gift of Christmas is that you are not alone, that Jesus stepped into this. I'm going to read one more scripture. Paul writes it a different way. (laughs) In Colossians 1, 18 through 23, he says this, Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. Christ is our head. We are the body. That means we are the hands and feet of Christ. We get to be Jesus to each other. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. But... You must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. Because of Christ's work on the cross, because Jesus was born in a little manger, because he grew up, we have received reconciliation. That means we've made right with God, that we stand holy and blameless before him. That's hard for us to understand because we're so aware of our weaknesses and our brokenness. But in Christ, we stand holy and blameless and we receive his peace. We are brought into his presence that we stand with God. But Paul says, you must continue to believe this truth. You must stand firmly in it. 
Don't drift away when you heard the good news. What do you need to let go of to cling to what matters most? To cling to the assurance that Christ died for you. To cling to the assurance that you are holy and blameless. That you are enough. That you are deeply loved. And in spite of the pressures of the world, you are not alone. Emmanuel means God with us, that Jesus is here with you. He's always with you. I'm going to write the band up. I'm going to pray. And then we're going to spend some time just reflecting. Again, I'll be down here. If you'd like someone to just pray for you, I'd be happy to pray with you. But also I want us to just to ask God, what is it that I need to let go of? What work uh, do we need him to do? And then leave it at the foot of the cross. Let's pray. <coughs> God, I thank you that you sent your son, Jesus, born in a tiny, humble manger so that we know that we are not alone. As we experience suffering and grief and pain and hardship, you are not some distant God, but you came and stepped into our world. We thank you for that, Jesus, that you are not far off, but you are here with us. And because of what Christ did on the cross, we can have the assurance that we are blameless and holy and welcomed into the presence of God. But God, I pray that every one of us would stand firm in that, that we would not drift, that we would not waver. God, I pray for everyone in here and those who are watching, God, that you would just reveal by your Holy Spirit those areas of our life that we need to let go of something, some pattern of thinking or, or behavior or, or how we interact with our spouse or our kids, something that we need to leave behind so we can cling to you and to your cross and that you would be our strength. God, I pray this Christmas season we would cling to what matters and let go of everything else. God, I thank you for your love and your grace and your work on the cross and that you rose again so we can experience resurrection life. We can experience victory as well. God, I pray your Holy Spirit would just be thick in everyone in here, that they would just sense your presence near that your Holy Spirit just be whispering and speaking to us and encouraging us. And God, that we'd have the courage to act on what you reveal to us. In your name we pray. Amen. Uh, let's respond as we sing these last two songs. You can stay seated. You can stand. I'll be down here. If you want to come and have some pray, um, I'd be happy to pray with you. Thank you so much for joining us on the Mosaic Maple Grove podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thank you to everyone who gives to Mosaic Maple Grove. Your generosity allows this message to go out into the world. You can be a part of the Mosaic Tribe by going to mymosaicchurch.com. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thanks again for listening. Grace and peace, my friends.